Hey, Being at Work listeners, welcome back to another amazing episode. Today's conversation is another one that invoked some tears that led to such good conversation. Today's guest is on a mission to change the way organizations respond to and approach parental leave. You know, parental leave is a common experience that most employees will experience within their career. And our guest says, just because we've done this so horribly in our country doesn't mean we have to keep being horrible at it. And I say amen to that. There's huge opportunity for change. Dr. Amy Beacom is the founder of the Center for Parental Leave Leadership. But what you really need to know about Amy is the aha moment that she'll tell us about today. She was sitting in her breastfeeding chair crying many years ago when she asked herself, what can I do so that no one ever feels the way I feel right now? Listen in to her compelling story as we talk about navigating this complex transitional time of parental leave while maximizing its potential for development. Check it out. I've done so many of these podcasts, but this one feels more personal. And I love that. I love that opportunity you're giving people. And it also feels very vulnerable. I'm already wiping tears away. The work that you're doing, Amy, is so aligned with the spirit of this show, being at work. And there are a lot of new parents at work that really struggle with that transitional time. You're helping organizations put systems and processes in place that help leaders through that time, that help parents through that time. Absolutely. That is the goal. That is the goal. (laughs) So give us a little context. Tell our listeners a little bit about your story that led you to the work that you're doing today. So it's funny because all this emotion that Andrea and I are talking about is old emotion. And it's so funny to have it come back up. My son is 15 years old. He is a freshman in high school. This is not a brand new baby that I'm recovering from, right? Which I think speaks to the length of time, the the full life and identity transformation that happens when you go through the parental leave transition, which is a term I use to describe the three-phase transition, preparing for leave, during leave, and returning from leave. So there's roughly a year of time in there. But for me, what that looked like, my story of this was when 15 years ago, so this was early 2000s, 2005, I was living in New York. I was highly, highly career identified. At the time, I was working on my doctorate at an Ivy League school. I was a consultant to many of the largest companies in our world around issues of work-life balance, of women's leadership, of economic advancement in that area. And I was doing, you know, other things that I had just gotten married, (laughs) all of those types of things of that phase of life. And then I had worked for many, many years to this point to be in this position. I had helped start an executive leadership and coaching company that was sold to a larger company. I had been involved in leadership development work for probably 15 years at that point. And work-life balance and women's issues. So I really thought I knew what I was doing, right? I was very much in the place of an expert and seen as an expert and brought in as an expert. And so when I had my son, I was fundamentally, completely 
blindsided by the experience. (laughs) I'd had a wonderful pregnancy. I had enjoyed every minute of it. And then I had a very unwanted and unplanned cesarean and an extremely hard recovery. And I found myself, which I've only come to know in retrospect, in the midst of a very severe postpartum depression that veered into postpartum psychosis. But what happened to me during that time is I would sit in my room in this breastfeeding chair that you mentioned, and my son would be brought to me by my family who were there to try and feed him, and then they would take him away. So funny how how instantly I can be in that room again. I know a lot of your listeners are HR leaders and themselves have experienced things like this, but also are helping clients or employees that they work with around these issues. But anyway, they would bring him to me and take him away. And I would just pump and I would go from side to side, trying to get up my milk to feed him, to keep him alive. And what I didn't realize at the time is they were doing that because they were worried about me. I thought that they were worried about him. So I kept asking, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? There's so many employees that are going through this. There's so many women going through this. There's so many men going through this. And I know you had asked me to come on here and tell the story of becoming a parent and how that created my work. And I think the part that I don't talk about as much is the perinatal mental health piece and how our mental health can impact what we're doing and how companies can see that as an opportunity, as something to support, as something that when supported, people can come back into work and bring more parts of themselves and more learning and more depth than they ever could have imagined if they weren't going through this. So for me, the way I come to know this is through my own story, right? Sitting there in this chair and literally losing my mind literally going to a point where I was hallucinating that I was nursing a forked tongue devil that would slice off my nipples if he wasn't taken away and worrying through all of that, that if I let anyone know, if I let anyone in on these things that I was seeing and I was experiencing, that they would take him away and they would put me in a straitjacket and they would never let me work again. And that, I think, is the really interesting piece about this, is it wasn't me just worrying about my son or myself. It was me worrying that I couldn't work again. I think we ignore how fundamental our work identities are at that time and how important they are to us as we shift into who we're becoming as new parents and working parents and as we start to learn that landscape. So let's see, what else can I talk about? (laughs) Well, I want to honor your story. I want to thank you for sharing something so personal and so vulnerable I am a mother and I remember a lot of the things that you described, you know, the emotion and it is a tough time anyways, Amy. And so on top of it, you had these other mental health issues, these other challenges, all of these fears. And I can't imagine how awful that must have been for you, how hard that must have been. It's only in looking back that I know that at the moment it was just pure survival through a moment. And I think what I did was I would sit there in this rocking chair and I would do this mantra with my breast pump. What can I do so that no one ever feels what I'm feeling right now? What can I do so no woman ever experiences what I'm experiencing right now? And it would just boom, boo, 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 boo with the pump. And one night 
I had an answer shoot through me like someone was whispering in my ear, literally right there. And it just said out of nowhere, right? Like I hadn't been thinking about any of this. You need to create a field of maternity coaching. Those words had never come together. I'd never heard them together. I don't know that they ever had come together. It wasn't until about a year later, I found that there was a woman in the UK around the same time who also started to create a field of maternity coaching. So remember, this was 15 years ago. I was the first person in the US to bring this together. And it wasn't even me. It was this voice right outside my ear saying, you need to do this. And I knew instantly what that meant because I had come from a background creating an executive coaching and leadership development firm. I had been consulting to these companies. I had just finished creating the first executive coaching curriculum with an advisor that I worked with at Columbia University and creating this first curriculum that they ever had there, right? In this moment, the piece that had been missing was the piece of parenthood, the piece of mothering and going through that fire and being given that insight into a connection with the universe that isn't always at our disposal, but really is in those moments of extreme transition and life movement and development. All of a sudden was like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what that looks like. It was fully formed in my mind instantly. And so what I did to literally claw my way out of this hole that I was in to climb my way out of that darkness, which is a term that Postpartum Support International uses these days, was to write down the field, write down the chapters of the book, write down what academic theories needed to go behind it, where the evidence base needed to be built, what we needed to do. And I had a little, I still have it, it's a little spiral bound notebook that I had been tracking the breastfeeding on. I'm pumping on the left side for 30 minutes and then I moved to the right and then I was tracking all of that because my mind couldn't hold it. And so you have this chronology of all my breastfeeding left, right, 20 minutes, 15 minutes pump on one side and on the other you have a listing of the formation of a field. And that field is parental leave coaching. At the time, I'd called it maternity coaching. And that's how we started it. That is the very first parental leave coaching in our country, in our world that we know of. And what I then did was I went back I was at the point in my doctoral studies where I was going to be starting my dissertation. And I went back to my school after I could, right? And I said, I need to change the focus of my dissertation from women's leadership development and coaching to creating this field. And they said, well, you can't do that because there's nothing to study. And you can't, you have to do a dissertation, you have to study something and build off of it, right? You have to have literature to look back to. And I took two years to fight them, to convince them that this was something that needed to be done. And they finally agreed because they were (laughs) probably very tired of me, right? (laughs) Pretty persistent. She is not going to back down from this. We better give her an opportunity. And so I formed it from the academic rigor of seven other fields that did exist. So those are things like executive coaching, adult learning, career development, you know, work-life balance research, and pulled what we did know from all of those into create this new field. Yeah, you had certainly a complementary skill set. You had the expertise you needed. I mean, it is such a good example of when expertise meets real passion because of this experience that you had. 
And I so appreciate how you talk about leveraging this time. Employers leverage this time to maximize it. It's almost like it's just something, it's very transactional in most organizations. You're really encouraging organizations to look at it differently. So tell us how you're doing that. How do you come alongside organizations? Yeah, I will. Let me, can I just first say that is such a good point you're making because what really came out of there and what the aha moment was, it wasn't so much how to build this, it was why to build this. And what I realized is that we were completely overlooking the most enormous leadership development and human growth opportunity that we have access to within our companies and our organizations. And I'd come out of 10, 15 years of doing leadership offsites at that point. So we were putting thousands of executives through these leadership development programs and companies were spending billions of dollars on it. And what I had just experienced was the most powerful experiential learning program that anyone had access to. And we were not seeing it that way. We were ignoring it. We were making it something that we didn't even talk about, let alone welcome. And that's when we learn the most about ourselves is in the midst of those challenges. You know, it just makes me think of the old saying, you know, never waste a good crisis. This is a crisis situation where employees, organizations have such an opportunity to come alongside them during this time. Yeah, I often say with chaos comes opportunity, but I heard somebody say this actually this morning with crisis comes opportunity and was like, oh, and we're talking about the same thing, right? These huge opportunities. So what we do and what I've turned that into at the Center for Parental Leave Leadership. So this was 15 years ago doing everything we've been talking about, but I started the company eight years ago. So it is the first and to date only full service consultancy to focus exclusively on parental to leave. And we help everything from policy development and expansion to manager training, employee support and coaching, manager coaching. And that is all built off of, and there's different forms, but the fundamental core of that was my dissertation creating this parental leave coaching framework that really provided a new way to think about this, that it wasn't just an employee's thing to solve. It wasn't something they went away and did. We ignore it. They come back to work. That's the same, but there's really this opportunity for an aligned conversation and process to unfold between the manager and the new parent and their whole team that really moves everyone forward, that this isn't a singular event. It's happening within a system. And the ways that we interact with this time as organizations can really change our cultures. It can change our teams. It can increase loyalty, obviously increase retention, but it has a fundamental impact on the bottom line and who we are as companies in our country. Well, of course it does. There's so much compassion in what you're talking about with the employer recognizing what's happening with these new parents, of course, that's going to drive engagement and commitment to the organization. That's the kind of organization everybody wants to be a part of that cares like this, especially around such a big, big time. I love that it's parental leave. And I'd love to get your perspective too for the differences between men and women going through that. I suspect there's a lot of similarities because in both instances, it's a transition. It's new. But what have you noticed? There really are. I feel so much for our fathers in this country because they are where the moms were. 
15 years ago, being completely ignored. I started this for moms, right? I didn't start it thinking about the dads. But what I quickly learned was also still mom-centric, that without the dads being treated as equal, that those moms were never going to be hired in the same ways, be paid the same. You know, a lot of those economic and gender inequalities that we face in our country would not get solved. So we went in through the route of, okay, let's bring the dads in to help the moms. But what I've really come to learn is the injustice that we have for our dads in this country as well. And that shows up One way to easily understand it is to think about what they are missing out because they are not allowed in our world to be caregivers, to not be involved in their children's lives, to not be involved in supporting their own development. They're not given access to any of this stuff that women are given access to in becoming a mother. And so they don't have those chances to grow, to deepen their empathy, to deepen their compassion, to deepen their skill set because they're excluded from them. That's one way to answer it. <laughs> I don't know if it's what, what you're looking for. It starts with the policy, doesn't it? I mean, and you said like when you were talking through what you all do, is that where you start with most organizations? Let me see your policy and what does it say? And how does that line with your philosophy on how you treat employees? It's evolved over the years. When we first started, most companies didn't have policies. It wasn't even a thing. There might be a short-term disability. There might be an unpaid leave. It's still the norm. Unless you're a large enterprise-level organization, and much more so over the last two years. We have 10 full-time employees, and we have a policy. You are amazing and rare. Yes. So that's usually where people are starting. And often because they had someone who required it. Most companies don't have a policy until somebody demands it. So I think because your listeners are HR reps, are not reps, but you know, involved HR leaders, they are probably at larger companies that do have policies, or they might be at mid-sized companies that have really looked into it. It's been a topic in HR, so there's more and more of it. But it's not the norm when you think about all the small businesses in our country. So policy is one place to start and creating policy that is truly culture and value aligned for that company. I think parental leave policy is an overlooked area to define your brand, expand your culture, carry your company forward in the ways that are really mission aligned. And that isn't always seen that way. It's often just seen as, oh, we just need a parental leave policy. But if you're trying to be an employer that the future demands, you need a gender neutral paid leave policy. You need a full 12 weeks of paid leave. And I will just as an aside say this falls on our companies because we do not have a federal paid leave policy in our country. And we are the only country of any wealth that does not have a federal paid leave policy in the entire world. Why do you think that is? Because we're ridiculous. It's a nuanced answer, but it boils down to patriarchy. Capitalism. When women started coming into the workforce, our entire workforce was already created in a different way. We're also a very individualistic society. It's just our culture in this country isn't that, right? It's seen as socialism. Just this week, I had a female leader. She's in a male-dominated field. Those are becoming fewer and farther between because they realize that they're more successful when they have some feminine energy within the organization. But she was telling me some recent stories about comments that guys she works with were making about we don't want to hire any women because they'll just get pregnant and leave. And I'm like, that is still happening. It's 2022. That just freaking pisses me off. 
rightly so. But that's why a gender neutral policy is very important because as soon as men are taking equal amounts, not just a policy, but that you actually require all genders take that leave when they become parents, because until we have that happening and men taking equal amounts of leave in a singular chunk, women will continue to be penalized for that and not be hired and not be promoted and all of those things. So if you are a male ally out there, take your leave, take your leave, all of it. Experience it, model it. What about the pandemic? What impact has COVID had on parental leave? It's actually having a positive impact on it in many ways. It's brought this out of the shadows. We're talking less about parental leave. I focused on parental leave specifically and consciously because it is a very common experience that most employees go through at some point in their career life cycle. The skills, the attributes, all of the different things that people are learning and that we teach them through our work, whether that's training or coaching or whatever pieces of it that it is, that has reverberations throughout your career. So if you're learning about how to manage leave well, to manage employees well, to have good conversations, to communicate well, to offboard your work well, you know, all of those things, those happen for everyone throughout. If you're a manager and you're learning how to manage an employee well, how to communicate with them, how to interact with them, how to support them, how to continue a work project that gets interrupted. Like those aren't things that are exclusive to parental leave. One of the things the pandemic did was it got us talking about leave more broadly. So we talk about it in terms of family leave or those kinds of things. It also made a lot of the issues that have fallen solely on women come out of the shadows. Yeah. I mean, we're peering into each other's lives in ways we never have before because of the virtual nature of work. And so I could see how some of those things have been a positive. And then of course, there's the flip. We are still now two years out, 1 million women down beyond men who have not gone back to work and who are not able to go back to work because of caregiving responsibilities falling exclusively and heavily on them. There's a lot that you do coming alongside organizations. What would you say is the most important thing? If you had to give organizational leaders one piece of advice or guidance on where to start with ensuring that they have a parental leave policy and the spirit of that, that is going to be most beneficial to their team members, what would you say? Nobody's really asked me that. What I would say is don't stop with the policy. It's not just a policy. It's about how do you enact that into practice within your organization? How do you show up to support that with budget line items, with manager training, with new parent coaching support with HR training. So many people, mostly everyone in this country stops at parental leave policy. And I'm not talking about policy. For me, policy is a foregone conclusion. It's an entry point. I'm talking about how do we put this into practice within our organizations? How do we have cultures within our... My background's in organizational psychology. My, that's what my, you know, my, my doctoral work is organizational psychology. So I'm coming at it from that angle. How do we create learning within work? How do we create loyalty? How do we create cultures? What is it that makes an organization an effective organization? And to me, that's all can happen through the entry point of this parental leave timeframe. And like you said, do so much to drive engagement and commitment with those employees. Amen. thank you for sharing your story. 
I can see how this work is so important to you. And it's so important. Like you said, you know, parental leave is something that most people will experience within their career. And so if organizations can improve the way in which they're supporting employees through this so that it's not so transactional. I love what you said about don't stop with the policy because so much of the time, you know, as an HR leader, when managers would come like, how do I do this? Well, there's a policy. There's policy for that. No, there's a human being going through a major life transition. Let's lift him or her up through this time. Show compassion and empathy. Which I think ties it right back to my story. Like what I'm doing, I had all of the training. I had all of the academic credentials. I had all of the check boxes in talented, strong, ambitious working woman, right? I had all that. And when I got through my experience of becoming a parent, I got tapped into my heart. And bringing that into work, we're tiptoeing into that frontier. And I'm loudly yelling for it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, can you be a little louder for the people in the back, Amy? (laughs) Well, what's wonderful about it is they aren't mutually exclusive, right? You can do both. Like, come on, louder in the back. Yes. Well, and it's just good leadership. It's just good leadership. It's just good leadership. I appreciate you. I'm grateful for the opportunity to highlight the great work that you're doing. Can I just say one thing? Because I, so much of sharing this part and why it feels vulnerable is because most companies aren't there yet. They just need a policy. They just need to know what's the checklist? How do I train my manager? What do I do? What's the next step? And that we do all of that. I'm bringing the underlying emotion to today, but I don't bring it to the clients where it's not welcome, right? Exactly. Well, here's to progress, not perfection. Amy, if our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Probably website, cplleadership.com, which is Center Parental Leave Leadership, cplleadership.com. If you're interested in the book, and I think everyone should be, I didn't even mention that, but one of the things that me and my co-author, Sue Campbell, who is a wonderful colleague of mine. We wrote a book during the pandemic because we didn't have enough to do with homeschooling our kids and running companies and you know all that. But it's called the Parental Leave Playbook. It is the 10 touch points to transition smoothly, strengthen your family, and continue building your career. Those touch points are really those moments that are partially based in the research that we've done, but also in the experience of working with countless people in the U.S. and in Australia that everyone navigates through at some point. And what we do, it's a coach in your hands kind of book. How do you do this? It's written for the new parent, but I think it is at least, if not more important for the managers to read it, to gain a window into that employee experience. And in our work within companies, what we are doing at each of those touch points is teaching what the new parent needs to do and what the manager needs to do. So for example, the first one is the announcement. How does that new parent announce How do they lead their leave through that announcement? What do they need to do? How do they set that tone? And for the manager, how do they respond to that announcement? What do they do proactively ahead of time before anyone is even coming to them with an announcement so that they're prepared for that? And then we walk through all of those different touch points with that new parent manager aligned, different guidance based on their roles. Yeah, it's the aligned conversation that you were talking about earlier. So anyway, I just had to put that in there because that was a big one this last year. Absolutely. Well, congrats on the book. It sounds like a fantastic read. Thanks for being here. Thank you for joining us for this episode. 
please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a Being at Work story. 